excuse me, Luke chapter 15, and I want to uh, welcome uh, our son Timothy. He uh, didn't expect to have him home this weekend. To be honest with you, he was home last weekend, and uh, their spring break started on Friday, and he's working next week, so he, he called my wife on Friday, and he said, uh, hey, Mom, mind if I come home? And uh, what's the mom going to say? No. You know, <clears throat> and uh, mind if I come home? And, uh, and he, said, uh, he said, I think I'm bringing somebody with me. What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, it's great to have uh, Derek Vestal with us, and uh, he's a friend of Timothy's from college, and it's great to have these fellows with us today. And, uh, you know, you're, as a parent, there's always that, what are, you, what are you really looking for kind of aspect of it? You know, you, you learn that as a parent through the years, you know, <clears throat> you're trying to, trying to figure out the ulterior motives, and, yeah, Tim, that'd be great, man. Come on home. And, uh, and then dawned on me. Carolina's playing Duke last night in basketball, and, and uh, oh, okay, it's, it's all coming together now. <clears throat> but, uh, but anyway, it's great to have these guys with us today. Luke chapter 15, and let me, again, encourage you about camp, and I can't stress enough. My life was transformed at teen camp, and I was, uh, I was called to preach at teen camp. I, was, I made some of the biggest decisions of my life at, at a week of teen camp, and let me just encourage you moms and dads and teenagers uh, to, uh, to get on board with that. That's, that's a good thing. And uh, he'll be, you know, Johnny will be fine. Susie will be fine. You know, <clears throat> they, uh, they will survive without you, I promise, for one week. And I don't think we've ever taken a trip to teen camp in all these years. Brother John will probably uh, uh, testify to this. We've we brought back everybody that we've ever taken to camp. It just, they, they just find their way back, you know. <laughs> as, as much as we try to leave some of them there, they find their way back. So uh, let me just encourage you about that. Luke chapter 15, let's stand together, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 15, and we'll begin reading in verse number 11. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divideth, uh, or he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, he, uh, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Verse 17 is our text. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. I want you to look back at verse 17. The Bible says, And when he came... To himself. I want to talk to you on that little line there. And when he came 
to himself. I want to talk to you this morning. The subject is the prodigal's moment of truth. The prodigal's moment of truth. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you'd help us in these few moments that we'll spend together in church. Thank you for these who've gathered. I pray that you'd help the, the message to be a benefit and a help. Father, we know it will because you promised that your word would never return void. I pray that your spirit would do his work, uh, a good heart work in the life of every single person in this room this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> One of the most beautiful stories of grace in the Bible is the story that Jesus told here in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son. It's the third in a series of stories that Jesus told about something that was lost. If you, look, uh, if you look back earlier in the chapter, you look at verse number 4, and Jesus tells a story about the lost sheep, about the shepherd who, uh, who counted the sheep as they were coming into the fold one night, and uh, he had 100 sheep, and, uh, and he got to 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, and he's missing one. And the Bible says that this shepherd, being the good shepherd that he was, he left the 99 in the fold and he went and he searched uh, far and wide, high and low, for that one lost sheep until he found it. And then Jesus tells a story about the lady who lost the coin. It wasn't just any coin. Uh, it was a, very, uh, a coin of great sentimental value in verse number 8. And, and, uh, and, of course, she cleans the house until she finds it. And, and, uh, and boy, what a, great, what a great truth and a great story that is. But now he comes to the, the third story in Luke chapter 15. And it is not a sheep that is lost. It is not a coin that is lost. It is a son that is lost. Boy, there can be no greater loss than that of a child. There can be no greater, you, you can talk about monetary losses, you can talk about losses on the stock market, you can talk about losses in your 401k or, your, or, or, or whatever investment portfolio you may have, but none of those losses can even hold a candle to the loss of a son or the loss of a daughter. And here, Jesus tells the story of this younger son uh, who comes to his father one day and he said, I want my inheritance, and I want it right now. So the father reluctantly divides the inheritance and gives the younger son what is his portion, and the son packs up everything he leaves, or everything he has, and leaves home. He knows everything. He is the source of all wisdom and knowledge, or at least he thinks so. I don't know how old this younger son was. I'm, I'm guessing he was probably in his late teen years, maybe in his early 20s, I don't know. <clears throat> but at any rate... He's got this know-it-all attitude that says, I don't need my dad telling me what to do. I don't need the rules. I don't need the regulations. I don't need this lifestyle. I don't need this getting up early and working hard and, uh, and coming home dead tired every evening. I don't need that. I, I can do better for myself than this. And so he goes to his dad and said, Dad, he, he said, give me what belongs to me. In fact, I want you to notice the arrogance of his attitude. The arrogance of his attitude. In verse 12, he said, Father, give me. Give me. Can you just sense the utter selfishness? Obviously, we weren't there to hear it firsthand, but if you, if you kinda, as you read that passage, you get the sense that this younger son was proud and arrogant and haughty. Father, give to me. Give me what's mine. At this point in his life, it is all about himself. He doesn't care about anything or anybody else except for him. 
Nothing else matters. He forsook the father. He forsook the family. He forsook the farm. He forsook the faith in which he'd been brought up. Because the Bible tells us that he left, he not only left his father's house, but he took that inheritance that his father gave to him. And the Bible says that he went to a far country. Now, now, now hear me, young people. Uh, you'd better listen, uh, you better learn to listen to mom and dad. I want every, uh, if, uh, every child, every teenager to listen very closely to the preacher this morning. Your mom and dad are much wiser than you give them credit for. They're smarter than you ever dreamed they would be. I tell, I tell it often, but uh, my dad became exponentially smarter in my eyes after I left his house. <laughs> All those things that he was telling me growing up, you know, some of them, uh, it's not that I didn't listen to what he said, <clears throat> because I've always respected and admired. My dad's always been my hero. Uh, it's not that I didn't listen to what he said, but sometimes uh, it wasn't until later on in life till what he said began to register with me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I can even, even to this day, every now and then something will happen in my life and, and it's almost as if it's uh, deja vu. I hear my dad saying something that applies to a situation that I'm in right now. Right. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm simply saying, uh, children, teenagers, listen to mom and dad. Listen to those people that God has given you to, to, to have the rule over you. Those, uh, the number one influence in any child is mom and dad. Listen to grandparents who love you and, 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 and have your best interests at heart. I'm simply saying, don't forsake the advice. Don't forsake the counsel. Don't forsake the, uh, uh, the, the, the lifestyle that you've been taught by good, godly, God-fearing mom and dad. The prodigal son left home. He left home. He, uh, but I want you to notice what happened when he left the father. First of all, he went to a far country. He ran away from what was familiar to him. Number two, he wasted his substance, the Bible says. I don't know how much money his dad gave him as, as part of his inheritance, but the Bible says that he wasted his substance. He, and the Bible says he wasted it on riotous living. I don't know exactly what all that entailed. But if he were alive today, I'm sure there would, there would have been some alcohol involved, uh, some drinking and a lifestyle that was perverted and a lifestyle that was probably immoral and a lifestyle <clears throat> that was very loose in its standards and very uh, 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 not, not at all what he had grown up to be uh, uh, taught was right and wrong. The Bible says, next of all, he spent all. He spent everything. He wasted it. And by the way, let me say this. I'm sure that as long as he had money, as long as he had things, and as, he, as long as he was showing people a quote-unquote good time, I'm sure he had friends everywhere. And let me tell you something. People, people will use you, young person, for what you have. So-called friends will gravitate to you as long as you're doing something that will please them or something that will accommodate them or something that, uh, where, where they can mooch off of you. But hey, listen to me. Your real friends are the people who are there when you got nothing. Your real friends are the people who've been working with you all your life. Your real friends, young people, are the, are the people who've been investing in you, not taken away from you. Be careful. Be very careful. But he went to this far country. He wasted his substance. He participated in riotous living. He spent all. And then I want you to notice this. He got hungry. He got hungry. After everything was gone, the Bible says he began to be in want. He was lacking. And then I want you to see the end of this scenario here. He ends up in the hog pen. In the hog pen. 
After he spent everything he had, after all the parties were over, after his friends says, hey, Joe, you know, hey, let's go party. Well, you know, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have any money anymore. I don't have anything to party with. Well, okay, Joe, well, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you later. <laughs> and he began to be in want, and he got desperate, and so he goes, the Bible says he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He goes to a man and he said, look, I'm hungry, I'm destitute, I don't have anything, can you help me? And the man puts him out in his field, the Bible says, to feed swine. Well, he's got a maid now, doesn't he? Man, where was all the, uh, hey, where's the hoopla now? Hey, where's the, I'm my own man now. Hey, where's the young man who left the father's house a few moments, a few verses ago saying, Hey, Dad, I don't need you. I don't need your rules. I don't need your farm. Oh, wait a minute. He's back at a farm, but it's not his dad's farm. Hey, he's back, and he's not, he's not a son of this guy. He's not someone who is looked upon with great respect and great honor and admiration. No, now he's a common hired hand in a field, not of his own, not of his dad's, and he's feeding pigs. Feeding pigs. Hey, let me tell you something. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Hey, you can spend all, you can get that arrogant attitude toward God if you want to. <clears throat> you can get that spirit that says, hey, I don't need the Bible. I don't need church. I don't need the rules. I don't need the regulations. But hey, at the end of that attitude, at the end of that line of thinking is a wrecked and ruined and destroyed and damaged life. Amen. Well, you got to be careful. That's what happens when you leave the father's house. Not a pretty sight. The story begins, or the message begins, with this young man living in the dream of his father's house. And now those dreams have become nightmares. He was once living in the safety of the father's house, and now look at him. He's feeding swine. He's eating with the pigs. In fact, the Bible says he would fain have filled his, his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. That doesn't sound very appetizing to me. All of a sudden, Sunday dinner just took on a whole new meaning, didn't it? <laughs> That's what sin will do for you. Sin will drag your life through the mud. Sin will rob you of fellowship with your Heavenly Father. Sin will destroy relationships. Sin will rob you of your finances. Just ask the prodigal. But I want you to notice the turning point of the story and the premise of the message is this. Uh, look at verse number 17, if you will. Luke chapter 15, verse 17, our text verse. The Bible says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? The only saving grace of the hog pen for this prodigal was the fact that he finally sat down one day, and the Bible says these powerful words, He came to himself. What does that mean, Pastor? He thought about it. He finally hit bottom to the point where he sat there and thought, you know what, my dad has hired people who are living a lot better lifestyle than I'm living right now. My dad has hired servants that eat a lot better than the husks that the swine eat. <laughs> he said, hang this, I'm going to the house. I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to say, Daddy, would you hire me as one of your servants? I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I just want to be a servant. The Bible says the turning point. The turning point was he came to himself. He came to himself. Something clicked. The light came on. Uh, in, in the vernacular of 2016, a lot of people say he had an aha moment. <laughs> Ta-da! You know, the light came on. 
He had an aha moment, if you will. You call it what you will, but the Bible says he came to himself. This was the prodigal son's moment of truth. And there are two groups of people here this morning, and the first of those two groups I want to address are those of you who are saved. You're on your way to heaven. Your lamb's written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a day when you can remember where you trusted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. What a day, oh happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. That's who I'm talking to this morning. If you're saved, let me ask you a very simple question. Have you strayed from the Father's house a little bit? Have you strayed from the Father's house a little bit? Has there ever been a time in your life when your fellowship with the Heavenly Father was, be was better than it is right now? Uh, if the answer is yes, may I invite you and encourage you to run back to the Father's house. Amen. I mean run back to the Father's house. Don't wait till you hit rock bottom. Don't wait until you are feeding swine. Hey, don't wait until you spend all. Don't wait and, and, and figure out after you've wasted years and, and decades of your life with righteous living. Hey, run back to the Father's house this morning. I want this to be an aha moment for you. I want this to be a time when you come to yourself and say, hey, man, <clears throat> I used to be close to my Heavenly Father. I used to have fellowship with Him. Boy, life used to be sweet with, my, with, with me and, and, and the relationship with my God. Hey, it can be that way again. It can be that way again. Let me leave you with some very simple thoughts this morning. Number one, everybody will come to himself. There's going to come a time everybody is going to have an aha moment. Everybody will come to himself. It's going to happen. There will be that moment for every child of God who strays from the Lord. The question is not, will it happen? The question is, when will it happen? When will it happen? You see, <clears throat> there's going to come a time in your life, if you're away from the Lord, where you're going to say, you know what, what am I doing? You ever, you ever been there? <laughs> the other day, in fact, it was last night. We're getting ready for bed, and, and uh, I turned in a little bit early last night, and, and uh, I went downstairs to get something. Have you ever, ever done this? I went downstairs to get something, and when I got down there, I forgot what I went there for. <laughs> you know, I walked to the kitchen, grabbed the refrigerator door, because that's what you do when you go to the kitchen, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just standard operating procedure, right? Grab refrigerator door, open the door, look at it. Now, what did I come here for? I have no idea. You know, and so I, I stood there for a minute, closed the door, stood there for a minute, <clears throat> looked around. What was it? What was it? And then I remembered, what it, I remembered something somebody told me. They said, the first thing that goes as you get older is your memory. <laughs> and I forgot what the second thing was. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> and I stood there. Brother Glenn, I stood there for five minutes, and I couldn't. For the life of me, I couldn't remember why I went down there. And uh, so I went, I went up the steps, got to the landing, going back up to the bedroom, and it dawned on me. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> I went back down. <laughs> but uh, I had an aha moment. And, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> but, uh, but, you know, it's going to happen. Everybody's going to have that, that moment where you, it, it dawns on you, hey, you know what? Things could be better. My relationship with my God could be better. My relationship with my spouse could be better. Hey, my relationship with my children could be better. Uh, my effectiveness for the Lord could be better. 
I'm simply saying everybody's going to have that moment where we're going to come to ourselves, so to speak. Number two, I want you to see this. How much time will you waste before you come to yourself? How much time will you waste before you come to yourself? The songwriter said, wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. Wasted years. Missed opportunities that are impossible to get back and to retrieve. Hey, I'm talking primarily right now to people who are saved. You're on your way to heaven, and there was a day in your life where, man, uh, boy, the, the Christian life was, it was wonderful, it was exciting, and, and you, were, were, you longed to read the Bible and to pray and spend time with God, and you were faithful, and, and everything was wonderful, but something happened that kind of got you away from the Father's house. You took that turn away from the Father's house. You strayed in your relationships with the Lord and with others. Wasted years. I ask you this morning, how much time will you waste before you come to yourself? Hey, I just want to wave the red flag and say, hey, why don't we just stop right now and come to ourselves? Let's have that aha moment right now. Let's stop and let's take this Sunday morning, uh, uh, March the 6th, 2016, to just stop for a moment and say, hey, you know what? Am I missing something? <laughs> Am I missing something? One of the greatest tragedies about sin is not only the sin itself, but what it causes us to miss. Sometimes we forget about that. We talk about some folks who, who uh, stray away from the Father's house, people who backslide in their hearts away from the Lord, and we talk about people who, quote-unquote, go out into sin, and we talk, a lot of times we, we tend to talk about what they do while they're away from the Lord. We talk about the drugs, and we talk about the alcohol, we talk about the immorality, and we talk about this indiscretion or that sin or whatever the case may be. But sometimes the overlooked element in people who backslide is the time that is wasted while they're gone. It's, sometimes we fail to talk about the missed opportunities, the missed chances. The missed influence. Hey, God's got something for you to do. God's got a will for your life. You only, get a, you only get a short number of years on this earth. God wants you to make the most of all of them. And the time spent away from the Father's house is also time that's spent away from effectiveness and your life counting for the cause of Christ. How much time will you waste before you come to yourself? The blessing that we could have been. If you're here this morning and you're saved but cold in your heart to the Lord, I want you to run back to the Father today. Run back to the Father's house. In just a few moments, we'll have the invitation song. And, and boy, I can think of no better place to, to take those first baby steps back to the Father's house than an old-fashioned altar. I want you to see number three. Where will you be when you come to yourself? Where will you be when you come to yourself? When it dawns on you that you can run back to the Father... Where will you be? Will you be in the hog pen? That was the case here. That was the case with this prodigal. When he came to himself, he was feeding swine. I thought about it. If he, had, if he could just have had his aha moment sooner. <laughs> if, he could, if he could just have come to himself before he got to that point. If he, had, if, if he could have just sat down and thought about his predicament, his situation, long before he's feeding swine, if he could have come to himself when he was walking out of the Father's house, that would have been the best time. Or even better than that, I guess, would be when he had those first fleeting thoughts of, I wonder what it would be like out there. 
You know, sometimes our young people are guilty of looking at life on the outside, so to speak. <clears throat> sometimes we're guilty of looking at life out in the world and being a little bit envious. The Bible says, don't be envious against evildoers. The devil has this, has this uncanny ability to take sin and paint a beautiful picture of it. Hey, the next time you're driving down the road and you see some billboard that's advertising liquor or beer or alcohol in some form or any, any other kind of uh, uh, sinful activity, uh, notice how beautiful a picture it is. He doesn't show you the real thing. He shows you, he shows you the very attractive woman. He shows you the, uh, the, the, the lifestyle that is glorified. He shows you the good time. He shows you the pleasure. He shows you all of the wonderful things that are associated with this brand of beer or this brand of alcohol or whatever the case may be. But what he doesn't show you is the ruined life. And what he doesn't show you is a little child who no longer has a father. What he doesn't show you is a car wreck on the side of the road where somebody drunk and, uh, drank that rot gut and then, and then uh, uh, killed innocent people. Hey, that's what he doesn't show you. Why don't we understand the fact this morning that the devil's a liar? And the pretty picture that he paints is not reality. It's just a facade. It's just a mirage. It's just what you think is out there, what he wants you to see, but he doesn't show you the end of it. Where will you be when you come to yourself? If he could have just come to himself when he was walking out the door, if he could have just stopped there on the front porch and, say, and had that aha moment and thought, what am I doing? What am I leaving? What am I walking away from? There's a man in there that loves me. He's my daddy. There's a mama in there that gets up early and, 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 and cooks for me and cleans my clothes and, and, uh, and, and does everything and, and, and loves me and helps me in so many ways. What am I doing? I've got an older brother there. Man, we're, we're, we're buddies. What am I doing? If he could have just had that aha moment when he was walking out the door, he would have saved himself a whole lot of heartache. Hey, kids who've been growing up in church all your life, why don't you have your aha moment before you walk out the door? Hey, before you, before you dabble in sin, <clears throat> before you buy that lie of, of Satan, why don't you stop right now and say, thank God I go to Lake Crest Baptist Church. Thank God I got a mom and dad who love me. Thank God I've got a youth pastor who cares about me. Hey, thank God I've got Sunday school teachers and bus workers. I've got people who've invested in me. And, and I've, I've got a Bible here that's not just any book, but it's my book. Why don't you have your aha moment now? If only he could have come to himself when he was wasting his substance in riotous living. If only he could have stopped and realized that those so-called friends that he had, they were just using him to have a good time. Boy, he should have come to himself then. What would it take for you to realize that as a child of God, your heavenly Father loves you and wants you to be restored to the place of fellowship more than you could possibly imagine? That's the aha moment you want to have this morning. Come to yourself. Think about these things. I said, number one, everybody comes to himself. Number two, how much time will you waste before you come to yourself? Number three, when, when where, or where will you be when you come to yourself? And then lastly, who will you leave behind when you come to yourself? Who will you leave behind when you come to yourself? One of the painful truths of our sins is that we do is, is that what we do really does affect those around us. What I do affects 
my wife, and my children. What you do affects more than just you. Hey, Dad, somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. I wonder if this prodigal son ever stopped to realize before he walked out the door of, who, of the other lives that were affected because of what he was doing. I wonder. I wonder, if he, I wonder if he ever thought about the hurt that he was going to inflict in the heart of his father when he walked out that door. I bet it never dawned on him. I bet it never dawned on him. I wonder if it ever dawned on him the fact that there was an older brother there who was going to now have to do a lot more work because of his, the absence of him. Huh. You see, people are watching you. Hey, Dad, someone's watching you. Hello, Mama. Little eyes are fixed on you and your example. Oh, yes, they hear what you say, but they are far more, far more likely to pattern after your example. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Because no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. Your actions affect someone besides just you. We like to think that we're the only ones that matter. We like to think that, hey, it's okay if, if I go out and do my own thing. Hey, hey, preacher, don't worry about me. I'm 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. I can do whatever I want, go wherever I want, and it's just me. I'll pay the consequences, but what you don't realize is somebody else is affected too. Somebody else is affected. There will be a ripple effect. It's like taking a stone and casting it into a very tranquil pond and the ripple effect just goes out broader and broader and broader. It's not just you. It's yours. Friends are affected. Children are affected. Hey, before you take that first drink of alcohol, think about that. Think about that. Hey, before you, uh, before you have that relationship with someone who's not your spouse, hey, think about that. Lives are potentially ruined because people think, hey, I'm just, it's just me having a good time. It's just me doing what I want to do. No. Someone else is affected. Consider everybody who is going to suffer. You see, the premise of the message this morning is simply this. This young man finally stopped and thought about what he had done. He thought about it. He stopped and considered his situation. He stopped to think about how good it used to be in the father's house. And then he said, you know what? I'm going back. His thought processes, his aha moment was followed by action. He said, I don't have to stay here. <laughs> I don't have to do this. Can I tell you something? <clears throat> Those of you that have strayed away from the Lord, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. You say, oh, but preacher, oh, man, I'm so far away from God. I don't know how to, I don't even know where to start. The Bible says this, draw out of God and he'll draw out of you. Can I tell you something this morning? <clears throat> the father, just like the father in Luke chapter 15, he's standing on the front porch and he's looking for you. He's looking for you. Hey, he's not going about his business as if you never, as if you never existed. It's not that like, this father here in Luke chapter 15, he longed for the return of his son. It's not as if he just said, well, I'm just going to wash my hands of that old boy. He can just do whatever he wants to do and, and I'm done with him. That's, that, that's not what he did. You read that passage, and when the Bible, the Bible says when the son was on his way home, and it says he was a great way off, his father saw him. You don't see someone who's a great way off unless you're looking for him. He was looking for him. Can I tell you this morning, your Heavenly Father's looking for you. 
say, Preacher, I'm so backslidden. I'm so far away from the Lord. Oh, I know I'm saved. By the way, once you're saved, you're always saved. You don't lose your salvation. You say, you look, you didn't do anything to earn your salvation. You don't do any activity to lose your salvation. You didn't earn it by works, and you don't lose it by works. We're saved by faith. It's a transaction once and for all. It's the, the new birth. You can no more lose your salvation than you can undo the fact that you were born. It doesn't happen that way. I'm simply saying, <clears throat> you may feel in your heart this morning, I'm so far away from the Lord, Pastor. What do I do? Take the first step. Take the first step. What's the first step? Come to yourself. <laughs> Man, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And then say, I'm going back to the Father's house. I'm going to get back up there. And you know what he said? He said, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to say to my father. He, he'd already prepared his speech. He said, I'm going to say to my father, Father, <clears throat> he said, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. He had the speech all prepared. Here's what I'm going to say. You know what? God just wants you to come home. God's not interested in your big speeches, your flowery speeches. God wants to see a penitent heart. He wants, you to, he wants to see a heart that says, God, I, <clears throat> I need you. God, I'm sick of this old lifestyle out here in the world. God, I want, I want that fellowship restored. God, I just want to be back in your house. How about it this morning? Have you come to yourself? If you haven't, <clears throat> today's a good time to do it. Whoever you are and wherever you are, find yourself in, uh, find yourself in life today. And I, or wherever you find yourself in life, I challenge you to take inventory. Take a look at your relationship with God. Take a look at your own relationship with God and say... Hmm, where am I at? You see, everyone here, everybody in this room falls into one of two categories. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. Primarily this morning, I've been speaking to that first group of people who are on their way to heaven. You're saved, you're on your way to heaven. You, you can think of that time, you know where you were when you trusted Christ as your Savior. And, and, and there's no question about it. And that's a wonderful thing. But there are some saved people in here this morning who you kind of feel like, man, you're just kind of away from God. Your fellowship's been broken. It's not as sweet as it used to be. The Christian life used to be a thrill. It used to be wonderful, but now it's kind of, kind of drudgery. It's kind of, oh, man, it's just kind of hard plowing a little bit. You know what? You can get back to that place of fellowship. You can get back there. That, to, for that other group of people, the group of folks who say, you know, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I don't know that heaven is my home. Can I help you? Can I help you? You've got to have an, an aha moment too. Your aha moment consists of this. You've got to understand that you're a sinner. You've got to understand that there is no hope <coughs> for your sin to be paid for outside of somebody dying. Either you have to die and pay for your own sins in a lake of fire called hell, or understand the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth 2,000 years ago and paid the penalty for your sins by his death, burial, and resurrection. Hey, that's your aha moment. How about it? Would you come to Christ today? If you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, I invite you to walk this aisle here in a few moments. Take one of the men by the hand and say, hey, I'd like to know for sure I'm going to heaven. You got it, but it all starts with you come to yourself. You've got to admit, you know what? There's a problem. <laughs> There's a problem. And the Bible has the answer to our problems. Whether it's the problem of needing salvation, this has the answer. Or it's the problem of being away from God, the Bible has the answer. 
Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. The Bible says he